Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. A faithful witness, a faithful witness. I don't know if you can remember people that have been influential in your life. We have different people that are different, have different influences on life, on, on our lives. Some have temporary influences, some have eternal influences. Uh, for, you, uh, for me, um, I, I think uh, how um, one friend of mine, an old friend, uh, in, in secondary school inspired me to get into the sciences and mathematics. You know, so he, he basically would help me out with calculus and stuff like that, and he gave me a love for that. All right? I, I can remember people that helped me to be Sandro. Probably I was in Standard 5, if you know, Ain't It Blyton book, you know, detective stories and stuff like that. Right? I, I never forget that. I mean, he could remind him, you know, you gave me the first book, first novel I ever read? That's an influence, isn't it? Right? So we have all sorts of different influences in our lives. And then there's the eternal influence. For me, my eternal influence, I'm sure, it's not just this one person. A lot of people that influence me in that way, but this one person is out, my friend Andrew. Andrew, when you know, I was on the path of getting together with Jesus, he pretty much held me by the hand and checked on me, do it if I went clubbing and stuff like that. And one day, we were in church, uh, there was an altar call, and he said, do you want to come along? Let's go pray together so you can receive Jesus. I said, well, but you're running again. He says, yeah, I'll come with you. So he took me out there and we prayed the sinner's prayer. I received Jesus. I came back, sat on that chair and started crying. It's like, wow, how can I ever forget Andrew? How can I ever forget that? That's an eternal influence. And that's what witnessing does. Witnessing brings an eternal influence to somebody. Somebody influencing me in terms of loving mathematics. Somebody influencing me in terms of loving reading books. That's just a temporal thing. There's an influence that, and that influence comes with the gospel of Jesus Christ when we are all that witness to others about Jesus Christ. And you know the passage that we just read, if we're to think about it, or if, when I think about it and, and, what's it and what it's teaching us, it's teaching us that witnessing influences people for eternity, right? Witnessing influences people for eternity. Witnessing influences people for eternity. And so, what is it about witnessing that makes people to be influenced for eternity? In other words, what is witnessing about? Number one, I want you to notice that witnessing is about God's appointment. Witnessing is about God's appointment. So, verse number one again of John chapter number four, hear the word of the Lord. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. Right? And so here, John is giving us a context to what is happening in this story. So there's, you know, these people, the Pharisees that, you know, are the religious, the theological police, right? They're, they're, they're the ones that kind of like influence the people's understanding of God and stuff like that. And so they're quite popular too, and also very pious people. And so those people, they hear that Jesus is baptizing more disciples than John, probably they are going to get jealous, and we see them getting jealous later on. 
right? And so Jesus decides he's going to move from there and go up to Galilee, right? And then we're told in verse number four, and this is a very deep scripture as far as I'm concerned. And he had to pass through Samaria, right? So there's like a necessity for him to pass through Samaria. There's somebody that this Jesus must meet. Now, you and I need to understand that God has divine appointments or God has appointments with people because everybody has a destiny in God. Hallelujah. Whether a destiny of destruction, a destiny of, of election, no, but everybody has a, a destiny in God. So God wants to meet them and so that they can come, they can hear the gospel or the good news of his salvation. And so Jesus needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. I want you to notice something about God's appointments. Uh, those that are witnesses will be convenienced to witness. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. Those that are witnesses should expect to be inconvenienced to witness. And so we're told it's about hour. So the 12th hour would be at noon because they count the hours from uh, 6 o'clock from dawn, right? From the time that it's 6 o'clock, the sun has come up in, 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 in Palestine. And six hours later would be 12 o'clock. And so this is midday. It is very hot. Very hot. In fact, the custom was you didn't walk around or took a journey in the middle of the day. You waited until the sort of like go down, gone down a little bit and the temperature had come down. But Jesus wants to meet somebody. He has an appointment with somebody. Somebody that's going to show up there at that point in time. And we're told that Jesus is weary. He is tired. So Jesus understands it's not about me being inconvenienced. Do you know many times? We think of our convenience. If I share the gospel with somebody who doesn't even know me, what will they think of me? If I show up at school and telling my friend that we've been in the same class the past two or three years and start telling him about Jesus Christ, what will he think about me? They'll start thinking of me on a lower level. No, no. Divine appointments are not about you. Hallelujah. Amen. It's God's appointments. God wants to meet that person through you. And here's something else we find out or we know from history that Jews did not go through Samaria. Jews thought of Samaritans as half-Jews. In fact, as idolaters. And so many times, Jews would go around Samaria if they're going up north. Because Samaria was defiled land. And so they would not want to get there. But watch Jesus. He needed to go through Samaria. Do you know there are people that God wants you to talk to about Jesus? Do you know people that God expects you that you would witness to? In fact, the basic identity of the believer as far as Jesus Christ is concerned is that we are witnesses. That's why he tells his disciples in Acts chapter number 1, he says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Isn't it? So our basic identity is that we are witnesses. Your basic identity, if you say you're born again, is that you're a witness. If you do not witness and you say born again, you're a useless born again, I'm sorry to say. This witnessing. Is about God's appointments. 
You know what? There are people all around you, in your school, in your office, in your neighborhood, that need an appointment with God. In fact, there are people all around you that God has sent you to so that they can have an appointment with God. Notice number one, God's appointments. And then number two, I want you to notice God's invitation. And so verse number seven says, a woman from Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? Now I want you to watch this. Right? I want you to watch this. God always takes the initiative. The witness always takes the initiative. Wait for somebody to ask him about, are you born again or not? Right? It's like expecting the fish to come to the hook. Are you a hook? Can you hook me? It doesn't happen like that, isn't it? It's the, fish, the fisherman who makes sure that the, the fishing line not only has a hook, but also has a bait for the hook, isn't it? And so watch Jesus here, the master witnesser. Because done is, he has gone to the place where this woman is going to be found. Hallelujah. Listen, church is not the place where sinners are found. Sinners are out there. Amen. So we go to where the sinners are. That's what he went to where the sinner was. We're not trying to say, oh, please come here. Please come here. Please come here. Please come into church. We're going to have this event and whatever. And not exactly. We are going to have events, but we're going to go out there and bring those people into here. And that's what Jesus is doing. He sits at a place where this woman is going to be found. And this is a woman who is a very extraordinary woman because at midday, she's going to draw water, question marks, already there. And so he says, give me a drink. Now, watch it. Jesus is Jewish, is a rabbi, is a man. Jews, Samaritans, mm -mm, they avoid each other. A rabbi, a woman, ah, a further gap. <laughs> because some rabbis used to teach that it is better to give the law of the Lord, the Torah, to a dog than to give it to a woman. Again, in that culture too, there was the gulf between men and women. And yet, here is Jesus sitting at this well so he can meet this woman. He says, give me a drink. He makes contact with her. And she says, she pulls the tribal card. Uh, excuse me, you're Jewish. What you doing asking me stuff? We're not supposed to be talking to each other. See, true witnessing crosses barriers. Hallelujah. True witnessing is not just about your people, people that are just like you. No, true witnessing is when you cross barriers. You go to that person of another culture, person of, of, of another race. That's the way God wants it to be. In fact, when the church got a breakthrough in Acts chapter number 11, the church at Antioch, it actually started not with any apostles, any prophets, uh, just the gospel to people that were like them. And the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was upon them. 
the power of God was upon them so that signs, wonders, miracles were happening because they had taken this initiative to say, we're going to reach out to people that are just like us. So he crosses the tribal barrier, the racial barrier. Watch number 10, verse number 10, what Jesus says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you will have asked him, and he will have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Now watch, again, there's going to be barriers when you're witnessing. It's not every time that you hear the gospel with somebody and then it's, oh yeah, you know, I was just thinking about that and I really want to be born again. How do I get born again? It does happen sometimes. But it's not every time. People will put up all sorts of barriers there, isn't it? So she said, well, I'm of a different tribe like you, uh, from you. And then now she said, come on. <laughs> uh, you're talking about water to drink. You've got some, you, 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 you have nothing. You, you can't draw the water. And, and who are you? Who are you? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Listen, witnessing is not for wimps, weaklings. Because you see, one can take this very personal, isn't it? How they are rejecting me. No, it's not about you. It's never about you. It's not about you. And so Jesus understands even what is at stake. What is at stake is the eternal destiny of this person. So this person may have their pride and may have them then be acting up, but that is just a barrier that the gospel must go Amen. over. Amen. See, being a Christian is not about a popularity context, contest. Because some of us, we think, oh, people must like us. They don't even like you. No matter how hard you try, they don't even like you. No matter how hard you try and impress them with your dressing, with your whatever, they don't even like you. So why don't you just be yourself and, and do what you're meant to do and share that gospel and witness to that person and show them the love of God. And so Jesus says to have verse number 13, everyone who drinks of this water will thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I'll give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I'll give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now watch this. Jesus reaches her at her point of felt need. She needs water. That's why she has it. Is Jesus telling her about heaven? Does she want to go to heaven? I mean, who cares? That's not where she's at. Where she's at is her problem, her issue now. In witnessing to people, we witness to them at point of need. I don't know, my family not working out. Yes. That's where Jesus is going to start from. Isn't it? If he's not answer to any problem, or if he's answering questions you're not asking, he's useless. Sometimes we share the gospel at irrelevant. Nobody is worried about that. And there you are. I read somebody, somebody gave me this tract. This track, how you're a sinner and, you know, how you have a need for God and da-da-da-da-da. I'm sure it can appeal to other people, to some people. Now, is that wrong? It's not wrong. It's the gospel. But how do you start the gospel? Do you use the point of somebody's need? Because if you don't, 
We want to help people see the relevance of the gospel. And it's relevant in so far as that person can say, okay, here's my problem, here's my need, and here is how the gospel is the answer to my need. Now watch it. Jesus here starts talking to her on the level she understands. She wants water. She has a physical need, isn't it? And so he starts with the physical need. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you water. In fact, I'm going to go further than that. I'm going to get you water inside you. You won't even have to come here. Now you must understand this lady. This lady is a lady with issues. She has issues. Jesus is going to start revealing things. And that's the third thing about witnessing. First of all, it's God's appointments. Secondly, God's invitation. And thirdly, God's revelation. Right? And so, verse number 16, here's what Jesus says. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I, I perceive that you're a... See, there was a reason she was coming to the well at 12 noon. If you've grown up in this city, probably you know a lot of people, isn't it? If you've grown up in this city, in Lelonga, probably you know a lot of people, people you've grown up with, isn't it? Right? Now, Lelonga is about a million in the urban area. Outside, about 1.2 million. Probably we are about 2, 5 million altogether in the whole of Lelonga. This is a long time back with very few people. You get it? So if you have had five husbands, oh, with a lot of people's wives, and then this one, the sixth one you're not married to, you are living with cohabiting. That's, that's a nice sinless word, eh? Cohabiting. They're patting. No, they're, they're, it's fornication. It's fornication. It's, it's adultery. Right? But Jesus doesn't go and say, you are an adulteress. You're going to hell. No. No. See, the gospel is about grace. You know that? Grace means that even though there's bad news, here's the good news. Not that we ignore the bad news, but we bring in the good news. Okay, there's bad news, but here's the good news. Oh, your sin is going to take you to hell, but here's what God has provided in terms of your salvation. And so Jesus reveals her heart. As you know, yeah, you can't call your husband. Because which one are you going to call? And now we know why you come here at noon. Because probably if you come here, you, you're going to get be every other day you come here. And so he says, oh sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Verse number 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. So Jesus answered her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here when we will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Now watch. She says, okay. You're a prophet. You guys, you worship in Jerusalem. We worship on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. That's the equivalent of somebody telling you, you know, you, you know I'm Catholic. Oh, you know I'm Presbyterian. You know I go to Kairos. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where you go. What matters is, do you have Jesus? Amen. 
Oh, when you witness to people, you get surprised. Sometimes you invite somebody to church. You say, oh, listen, uh, you know they don't go to church. You know they're busy getting drunk and stuff like that. Right? The moment you invite them, that's when they tell you, oh, listen, I'm going to my church. Oh, now it's your church. Because I've invited you, it's your church. Right? And so she pulls up this religion barrier. You worship there, we worship here. And Jesus reveals to her what true worship is. He says, listen, it's not about a place. You know, some of you, you walk into here, and the moment you walk into here, and your religious self starts bowing down and starts acting in a funny way that you have come into the church. This is not the church. This is not the church. The church is people. This is just the building. We want it, we can, we, can, we, we can rent it out and have some people do a party, get drunk and stuff like that. It doesn't make it any less church. Because church is not the building. We used to be at Akulenji Arcade. We don't know what happened on Saturday nights sometimes. But it wasn't churchy. So church is not the place. Church is the people. Worshipping God is not about a place. Worshipping God is about worshipping Him in spirit and in truth. Worship Him with your spirit. Worship Him according to the truth of God's word. In other words, any worship that is not consistent with the truth of God's word is false worship before God. So He reveals to her that, listen, there is true worship. True worship is not about a place. And then she says something. She goes on to say, verse number 25, The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. He comes, he'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you, I'm he. So she goes further and says, oh, well, 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 listen, okay, maybe we can, we can talk about geography and religious geography, where to worship God and stuff like that. But you know what? Messiah is coming. And so when Messiah comes, well, we'll, we'll know the truth. Jesus says, listen, I, who's talking to you, I am he. See, true witnessing should come at the ribbon of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is not just a good teacher. Jesus Christ was not just a good human being. Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came and died so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's witnessing. So Jesus points to himself. I want you to watch, number one, God's appointments. Number two, God's invitation. Number three, God's revelation. Number four, God's priority. Witnessing is God's priority. Look at verse number 27. It says, just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with the woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town. And said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. I want you to watch. This woman went to draw water. But this woman leaves her water jars right there at the well and she goes into town. Now remember, the reason she's going at midday to get water from the well is because she doesn't want to meet the people from the town, isn't it? She doesn't want to meet those people. But now she has met the man who, ever, who told her everything she ever did. I don't know. I'll have wanted to know what everything she ever did was. What did she do? Five guys onto the sixth one. What happened? Jesus, you, you have the four one one on her. What happened? But then she goes right back. Listen. She goes right back 
to the people she was scared of and starts telling them about the things she was embarrassed about. That's a change. That person has been transformed. And that's what being born again is. Being born again is being transformed. If you're still scared, embarrassed, ashamed, ask yourself, are you truly born again? Because if Jesus Christ has freed you, when the Son of Man frees you, he frees you indeed. And all that stuff that you get scared of about people, you will go there and tell them, listen, there's a guy you need to go see. Because you may think that I'm the one with the issues. You also have issues. Because why did your husband leave you for me? Amen. So watch verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say, do you not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sow and reaper may rejoice together. For the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. I want you to watch this. When they bring the food to Jesus, remember we are told that he was and he sat by the well, isn't it? It's hot, he's hungry. And usually many of us, when we get hungry, we are hungry. You're hungry and you're hungry. And you don't want anybody to get between you and the food. Isn't it? want anybody to get between you and the food, you are hungry. It's six o'clock, it's time to break the fast, and hey, somebody's delaying the food. You get... You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So what's the priority of Jesus? You'll have thought that he's hungry, and so he should be hungry. Probably he should be saying, what took you guys so long? I mean, there was this woman that came out, and she's gone into town. I mean, that was a long time, and you still didn't bring the food. No, he's not like that because that's not his priority. He says, my priority is to do the will of the Father. I have food that you do not know of. Because the thing that satisfies me is not these things here. It's to somebody like that woman get saved. It's to see somebody like that woman turn from a prostitute to being a, an evangelist. Because that's what she became. She went out there and told the good news. He says, that's my food. That's the kind of stuff that I want to see. Oh, Christian, my friend, I wish that you and I had the same urgency and priority like Jesus. Look at people that has forsaken, that the world has given up on. That the world says these ones will never amount to anything. And we say, listen, come to Jesus and see how Jesus is going to transform you. That's the gospel. See, the world doesn't know what to do with ladies like this one. Do you know that? The world doesn't know to do what to do with problem people. They give up on them. They've come at a point of saying, there's nothing much you can do about that. And Jesus wants to transform them. Are there people here that our parents, our families give up on? If you're here, please put up your hand. Come on. Amen. They give up on you, isn't it? They just didn't know what the solution was to you. But Jesus came. And you see, that also becomes our priority. See, as Christians, we don't throw away people. We don't throw away people. We don't say useless will never amount to anything. No, we bring them in. We show them the light of Christ. We love them. 
yet at times tough love so that they can change and help them to change, help them make that decision. But that's our job. Our priority is witnessing. Please, this year, may you make witnessing a priority. Watch verse number 39. He says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So many of these Samaritans were like you and me. They wanted to know what's the scoop on her. All right? They wanted to know what is it about her that he said about her. All right? Verse number 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They say to the woman, it is no longer because say that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Watch this. When Jesus goes there, or when these people come to Jesus, that's what initially happened, Jesus started telling them about the gospel. There was multiplication. Many more people believed because of this one woman. This one woman is actually a gatekeeper. Behind her are many others. You know there's some people like that. That when you reach them, you're not just reaching them. You, you've reached their friends and their family and, and their workmates and everybody are, are getting saved and they come to church. That's what this woman is like. And that's what we ought to be like because we have a web of relationships, don't we? We have a network of friends, don't we? And God wants to use us to be the instrument of multiplying His church. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.